What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at Sports Business Classroom, who have an upcoming event called GM Academy from December 27th to the 29th. So be sure to log on to SportsBusinessClassroom.com for more info on that. But right now, our HoopsHype salary cap expert and my main man, as Ahmad Rashad used to say, Yossi Goslin joins me once again to discuss which players could be traded after December 15th and his recent article on the players outplaying their contracts so far. Yossi, great to have you on the line with me, brother. How you doing? Thanks for having me back. It feels good. It's been nice watching basketball the first month, and now, slowly, slowly, I think the trade market's starting to form, and we'll we'll see. I don't think it's going to be quite as busy as last year or the past few seasons, but we'll probably have some moves. Well, you know what's interesting? You had a another article on Hoops Hype about how the free agent market could be dry because there's not a lot of cap space out there. There's only a handful of teams with real significant cap space, and usually that means the teams are going to look to make trades either during the season or at the draft to try to improve their rosters. But you know, right now, the, the first thing I wanted to get into uh, with you, Yossi, was guys that are trade eligible December 15th and on that we should keep an eye on. And a lot of guys this offseason signed some deals that uh, when they first signed them were guys I thought would be guys to keep an eye on. And, and we'll kind of go across the league here, no particular order, but, you know, looking at the Boston Celtics, when they signed Dennis Schroeder, um, that's a guy that I thought could have a bounce back year to try to rebuild his value a little bit. And so far, he's had a nice start to the season with Boston overall. He's putting up uh, decent numbers. But And you'll see, I'll, I'll let you get into the particulars of this. But once they signed, they got Dennis Schroeder at a steal uh, you know, for his contract. They didn't, get, they didn't have to pay him a lot because the market dried up when they got him. Uh, but because of that, they're not going to be able to pay him that much next offseason. And he's playing well. He's going to get a pay raise, clearly. Um, so to me, that's a guy that, depending on if Boston can, can is continuing to struggle and, and maybe not be as much of a playoff team as, as we thought maybe going into the year with the addition of Al Horford, and, you know, you figure Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were going to take a step forward. Dennis Schroeder is a guy that I could see potentially on the move close to the trade deadline uh, if Boston continues to struggle because they don't have a, a ton of flexibility to sign him if they want to keep him long term. All right. So with Schroeder, you can almost say like with Schroeder playing with house money because they got him for a very low rate compared to what he should, probably should have been getting. And for the most part, his numbers are the same. Yeah, he's playing pretty well for his standards. And now uh, you mentioned the market is kind of dry, so can't 100% predict that he will get properly paid. Maybe that will be around what he was making on his last contract. <clears throat> but um, you're right. The biggest issue with the Celtics is – even if they want to keep him long-term, they're going to have a hard time retaining him. Uh, the most they can give him, so they only have his non-bird rights, so he can get a starting salary with them 
uh, starting at seven mil. So it could be like a four year deal, maybe at the 30s, low $30 million range. That's probably not uh, enough for to keep Schroeder. And if they're going to want to pay more, they would have to dig into the mid level. But I think they're going to, I don't even know if they'll have, they probably won't even have access to the full mid level because they already have so much money uh, dedicated to Tatum and Brown and Smart. So um, it's going to be a challenge to keep them. So, you know, they still have a couple more months to the trade deadline. So if they decide, hey, you know, Schroeder, he's been good, but I don't think we really want to break the bank to keep him or do players a lot of money or uh, they don't, they just realize they don't even, they won't be able to keep him because of the challenges and restrictions of having his non-bird rights, then it makes sense to move him. Uh, anyways, they're also slightly over the luxury tax. Celtics have been struggling. Uh, doesn't quite make sense to finish over the tax if they're going to hover around 500. So he, uh, in that regard too, it also makes sense to dump him. Uh, I don't know what, you, what they can get. Maybe they could get a, a late first at, at best, but uh, if you can just save some money, get a couple assets, that's pretty good considering they got one of the biggest bargain signings in free agency last year. Appreciate you explaining those salary cap uh, logistics. You know, I, for some people, sometimes people don't understand why a move happens on the surface from a talent standpoint. NBA is a business, folks. Um, you know, another guy, as you look at guys that had signed in the offseason, I feel like Will Barton on the Denver Nuggets has always been a guy, uh, at least in the past two seasons, he has always come up around the trade deadline as, as a guy that's, you know, his name's floated out in rumors when Denver, Denver was trying to get a bigger star uh, and use him as part of a package. Um, with, with their struggles this year and the injuries to Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, uh, maybe it's something they look at. I don't, I don't think necessarily, but just a guy I would at least keep an eye on in, in, in that sense, but not really moving it one way or the other. Just, just a guy to keep an eye on. At some point, when your name gets floated out there that much, uh, eventually, you know, sometimes a guy gets moved. So he's a dude I would definitely keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, when you look at the type of player Will Barton is, just a really good role player, and he makes a pretty median-sized salary. You you said you always keep an eye on him. It feels like he's been a guy that everyone's kind of always kept an eye on when it comes to the trade market, and surprisingly, he's only been traded once to Denver, and that was a long time ago. And yeah, then, so Will Barton, he's had some injury issues the past few years, but so far, he's been healthy and he's playing really well. Uh, very important for the Nuggets right now. I'm in the minority of people who feel that maybe Denver should consider kind of taking the year off, uh, punting the year. Uh, they probably won't do that because when Murray comes back, they'll probably be pretty good. But, um, you know, one such trade they could, if they were to move Barton in the future, they could do something like Barton and their pick this year, maybe get a, an upgrade at shooting guard or get another another wing player. So, yeah, Barton, you can always keep an eye on. And the other guys that become uh, eligible to be traded uh, in December will also be the Greens, Jamichael and Jeff. Unlikely, I, I don't think they'll move them either just because, 
you know, the Nuggets are going to be assuming, you know, hopefully they'll be healthy next year. These are guys you want to put around Jokic and Porter and Murray, the Greens and Barton. You want to have these type of role players to put around them. So I think good chance Denver probably stands pat. Uh, if they do, if they were to move some of these really good role players, they would have to get something really good, like, you know, like a late first round pick or something. I don't know if that's available to them, but uh, and if so, if nothing like that's really available, then just keep them and get healthy for next year. And I think they'll make a lot of noise once they're fully healthy. I'll say this. The Nets certainly miss the versatility of Jeff Green. And, um, you know, when I look at Denver Yossi, I definitely think that for a small market team, they built this team phenomenally well. You can't predict – you're going to predict the injury to Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr.'s medicals, um, they were a risk. They knew that when they took him, but they took him with the 14th pick or so. Um, I, I don't think that that was something that should have prevented them. And, you know, when he is healthy, uh, Michael Porter Jr. has – all-star potential. So I, I was fine with that. I think they've built this team well. You know, that Jokic was not a household name when they drafted him. So, um, and, and Jokic, I, I want to say Jokic was in the 40s. So I don't think the Nuggets had even thought at all Jokic would be this good. Oh, no one did. And and But you know what? When you're a small market team, you got to hit and, and hit the lotto on a guy like that if you're really going to uh, find your way at, at the top of the league. I think they're still well positioned ultimately, uh, despite the injuries to Murray and to um, Michael Porter Jr. I mean, look, my thing is Michael Porter Jr. is still only 23. Jamal Murray's 24. Jokic is 26. They're going to have to re-sign Jokic uh, in the near future, but uh, you know, I don't see them being afraid to pay that guy max money. Um, you know, w- with that said. I think, you know, Denver can stay pad and, and they don't have to move a guy like Will Barton. But uh, a couple other teams we'll touch on, uh, the next two coming up, these are more teams that are deep in the lottery and and clearly in a rebuild mode. We'll start with the Detroit Pistons. With uh, They have a couple of veteran guys that I think they could certainly look to sell and they'll be eligible after December 15th, as we touched on. Uh, Kelly Olenek is one. Corey Joseph and Frank Jackson would be the third guy I look at. Now, Yossi, for me, uh, Kelly Olenek showed what he could do in an expanded role on a bad team with the Houston Rockets last year. I think if you're a contending team, a playoff caliber team, Kelly Olenek is a really good stretch five to have on your bench and could spot start at times. Um, You know, with Detroit, they're focused on the development of Isaiah Stewart at center. And, uh, you know, Beef Stew, he's going to get the majority of the minutes. I think Olenek brings a different dimension than Isaiah, but uh, ultimately I think he would be, Kelly Olenek I'm referring to, would be more valuable on a, on a playoff contender. And, you know, Corey Joseph and Frank Jackson, when I look at Detroit, they want to put the ball in Cade Cunningham's hands and Killian Hayes' hands. So I think that somewhat similar to Derrick Rose, uh, when he was a veteran mentor, you know, Corey Joseph is a solid uh, backup in the league, but I think he could help other teams. And those are those are three guys I could see uh, Detroit dangling as we get close to the trade deadline to get uh, more assets, at least in terms of guys that can be moved after December 15th. 
Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, Mike. When you're a team like Detroit and you sign a pretty good role player, you almost kind of have a – you're almost immediately on the clock thinking, when are they going to move this guy? Uh, kind of felt that way when they picked up Mason Plumley and they moved him after a year. Uh, maybe they'll – it feels like maybe Jeremy Grant is pseudo-available, like they're listening to offers and – to get something good, they might take it. And Kelly Olenek's just a prime example. And uh, and even before Houston, he proved he can be very, very valuable to contenders. He was really good for Boston back in the day. And he was really good for Miami last year, too, when they were struggling to find their power forward. He played really well next to Bam. So, yeah, I mean, they... I, I imagine Kelly will be available. He was, he's been playing pretty well up until his injury, and uh, he's only making like twelve, thirteen million a year, so that's a really affordable deal. Like I think any team could really take on. Yeah, and then the other team I was referring to when we were talking about a couple of rebuilding teams to keep an eye on, the Houston Rockets when they signed Daniel Tice uh, to a multi-year deal. A lot of people in the league were a little surprised by it because he got pretty good money, but Daniel Tice was brought there to be a good veteran mentor and to help them uh, try to win games, even though they're in a rebuild. He has great habits and uh, you know, he does all the dirty work and things that don't necessarily show up in the box score all the time. That said, uh, with Christian Wood at the five, that seems to be Houston's best lineup. And for the time being, Tice's uh, not been getting playing time over the past couple of games. Daniel Tice is a guy that I feel is, again, best suited on a playoff team. Uh, you know, we saw that for years with the Celtics. And I, and I think that closer to the deadline, teams are going to be calling Houston and monitoring his value. Tice is pretty well liked around the league. And, you know, if you're looking for a backup big and a guy that could spot start for you, Daniel Tice is that guy. Uh, he's on a pretty manageable salary as well. So to me, that's a guy that you definitely have to monitor uh, if you're looking at guys that can be trade eligible after the 15th, uh, especially given where Houston struggled to to start the season. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Daniel Tice, as soon as he signed that contract, out of all the deals that came this offseason, that one screamed to me the most, okay, when is this guy going to get traded? Just because Houston, they're in a big rebuild right now, and – they gave Tice like around like full mid-level type money, but they already have Wood, and maybe they weren't sure they were going to get Shengun, but they got him. So you know maybe they were like, you know that 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 the sign trade for Tice came was it was leaked kind of early, like so maybe they were already kind of had something done with him uh, before they knew they were going to get Shengun, uh, and but yeah, it just feels like it that. That deal was just primed just to trade him in the future. It's a pretty good money. And I think even Tyson, Tyson, he was going to get traded. He got a 15% trade bonus onto his deal. Yep, which was first reported by Hoopsack. I always love to throw that in there a little bit. Not forget. <laughs> and so uh, it just it just like seems like a matter of when will Tice get traded. Like I would be very surprised if he finishes this deal with Houston. So I'm not necessarily thinking he'll get moved this year, but uh, you know, they, like you said, 
they haven't been playing him recently. The Rockets are on a three-game winning streak as of our recording, and Tice has been completely not playing in those games. They've been starting Wood at center. They finally split up the Wood-Tice front court, and they're letting Shen Goon sign, and he's playing really, really well. And that will also bring some, you know, that might even bring the raise the question if they'll even move Wood down the line with the way Shen Goon's playing. But for now, yeah, I think Tice is definitely a guy that he's probably available now. I'm sure Houston's listening to offers, and uh, like Olenek, I think the money is totally reasonable and. For teams needing a backup center, give Houston a call because I think Tice can is probably pretty available. Yeah, I would agree with that and spot on. The second he signed that contract, you know, where was he going to end up getting flipped at some point? For at least for me, Yossi. There's also a former four-time All-Star who got benched recently who could be on the move as well. We'll have more on that player and others who could be moved after December fifteenth. Coming up next after a quick break. Are you ready to jumpstart your career in the business of basketball? Are you looking for a leg up as you pursue your dream job of working in basketball? If so, Sports Business Classroom's GM Academy was designed for you. From December 27th to the 29th, learn and interact with executives from around the league, including Tommy Shepard, John Hammond, Calvin Booth, and Ryan McDonough. This one-of-a-kind program will give you the opportunity to experience what it's like during the trade deadline, draft day, and more. Head over to sportsbusinessclassroom.com to sign up. That's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. Another guy that signed with a team to be a starter and hasn't worked out to this point, Kemba Walker on the New York Knicks. Now, Kemba, when he got the buyout and he came to the Knicks, it was a modest contract. Um, you know, it was a worthwhile gamble. Offensively, the guy's shooting the ball well from three-point range. That's not the problem. It's defensively, if you got to be a good defender to play for Tom Thibodeau. And that's never really been Kemba's calling card. Um, so, it, you know, I'm sure people are going to – and it's already been out there a little bit that he's a guy that could be uh, – a guy to look at, you know, trade eligible wise. But, um, you know, one thing about Kemba, like he's always wanted to play in the garden and he loves it there. Um, you know, I know uh, previously when I had interviewed him with Charlotte, he never thought he would end up with the Knicks, but this opportunity for him was too good to pass up. Um, I don't know if the Knicks can go a whole season with Alec Burks as a point guard. You know, they're going to play quickly too. But they're not traditional kind of point guards. Quickly is more of a scorer. Kemba is too, but Kemba can also get teams and uh, his teammates involved. So certainly a guy to keep an eye on. I don't know if he ultimately gets moved, but um, I got to say, like Kemba's such a good person and a great teammate. Like I hope whatever happens for him, it's just for the best to to make him happy. Because I feel like after he left Charlotte, you know, injuries really have kind of sapped him a little bit of his all-star potential and I still think he can have a role on a team and, and be a decent player I, I just think the all-star days of Kemba are, are behind us unfortunately so um, I'm not gonna lie I was a little surprised when the news came out that Kemba was no longer going to be in the Knicks rotation kind of caught me by surprise that that Kemba may have fallen off that hard. So looking at his numbers, 
Overall, they're down, but mainly that's because his volume is down. Uh, as you mentioned, his three-point percentage is actually pretty career high right now. But uh, even though his volume is down, also his his per 36 numbers are down as well. So there's there's somewhat of a decline despite his really good three-point shooting. Um, and yeah, you, may, you mentioned it was it's mainly that his defense that's uh, what's taking him out. But I just I know that there are some. He has slipped on offense as well. Maybe that you can credit to his knees. And I don't, you know, you say that you want to, you want to think that he can still be serviceable elsewhere. And like, I want to believe that too, but just this caught me by surprise. The fact that he got bought out by Oklahoma city was really shocking to me. I thought that was the most shocking uh, thing of the entire off season when they bought him out and, you know, I gave up, 20 million, which is significant, but I thought that they were going to for sure let him play and try to trade him. And, you know, clearly they decided, you know what, we're probably not going to get much for him. Let's just take the money back and let him go. Um, so, you know, yeah, you want to think that he can still be a good backup. Maybe, you know, it's a huge, it's pretty crazy to think only a couple of years ago, he was an all-star and, he was averaging 25 points per game for the, for the Hornets. And, uh, you know, hope I just, I just, that I keep getting, all I'm trying to say is that I keep getting shocked by these Kemba developments. Like I want to say, I want to hope he can still be serviceable, but uh, I don't know if you're, if, if Tom Thibodeau already gave up on you like that, then there's some, definitely something wrong. A couple other big men to keep an eye on. I think that, can be trade eligible December 15th. Uh, Oklahoma City in a deep rebuild here. Um, you know, Mike Mascala shooting about 43% from three as a stretch big. I could see him appealing to teams. And in Orlando, uh, Robin Lopez, you know, their front court with Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter. And by the way, we touched on Mo Bamba, uh, both you and I in recent stories for hoopsite.com that people should check out. Uh, Robin Lopez has been kind of left out to dry a little bit there. And I, I could see teams maybe looking uh, that are playoff teams to look at both of those guys and Mike Mascala and Robin Lopez to fortify their benches a little bit. And and I'll throw another one out there, uh, Yossi. When I look at the Spurs, um, you know, Doug McDermott, every team in the league always wants more shooting. Doug's certainly been traded a number of times. Uh, I think if you're a team looking to add a front court shooter, uh, Doug's on a nice contract that I think uh, could move the needle for some teams as well. Yeah, I think with the Spurs, definitely some of these uh, some of these guys they signed to big contracts like McDermott and Forbes, great shooters. Got to imagine that they can be had for the right price and you know totally fine uh, deals in my opinion. Robin Lopez, I wrote about him in an article last month uh, about just some players that were out of the rotation. I talked about some obvious guys like, you know, Goran Dragic, Marvin Bagley that weren't playing, but people already kind of knew that. But then, you know, Robin Lopez, the Magic signed him despite already having three other centers in Wendell Carter and Bamba and Mo Wagner. And he hasn't really been playing despite all the other injuries to the Magic. And you'd imagine that when, you know, Jonathan Isaac comes back, it's not it's not going to help him at all to get more playing time. So 
definitely a guy I would I would be pretty surprised if he finishes the season in Orlando. Worst case, maybe he hits the buyout market. I mean, you know, he's only making like five million. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy there. And Emiscala, just a guy that he, yeah, he's a great shooter. He he was kind of bouncing around in the 2018-2019 season from Philly to Lakers and found the home in OKC. And he's been playing well enough that OKC will just selectively not play him when they just when they feel like they don't want to win the game to further their uh, tank. So uh, maybe maybe this is the year they capitalize, get a little something for him. And we'll see what happens. And there's Yossi, there's a couple of guys that are January 15th eligible to be traded uh, that I thought are worth certainly touching on as, as we kind of look at those guys down the line. You know, Indiana, if they keep sliding deep into the lottery territory, I could see TJ McConnell being moved uh, as an attractive backup point guard option for some playoff teams. And, you know, on the Lakers, uh, if they're really in this win now mode, Talon Horton Tucker's their only realistic trade asset that I think they can move if they felt the need to. I don't think he will ultimately, but you have to at least think about it. And last one for me. Uh, the Pelicans, uh, Josh Hart, a lot of executives thought when he signed his contract, it was designed to be traded. So uh, he's certainly a guy that I could see getting some value around the league due to his uh, defensive ability and, uh, you know, him, just knowing himself as a role player. So those are some guys I would say on the January 15th spectrum I would look at. Yeah, Josh Hart, very unique contract that he signed. I don't think I've, there's ever been something like this where he's got multiple non-guaranteed years, and in one of those years, the non-guarantee also has a player option, so that could be a race to who wants to cut ties first when that time comes. Um, so, you know, if, with, with that kind of deal, definitely feels like New Orleans just wanted a trade chip, and Hart's very serviceable guy. Lots of teams would love to have him. Uh, yeah, Taylor Horton Tucker, as you mentioned, really the only tradable salary the Lakers have outside their top three. Uh, it's him and like Kendrick Nunn. If the Lakers really want to do something to save the season, probably have to move Taylor Horton Tucker. Though and they might, you know, there's some arguments that they might be better off holding on to him in the long run. And uh, yeah, T.J. McConnell. You know, definitely, just definitely a great backup point guard. Um, it just it seems like, seems like one of those deals. Maybe they got him for at a at a rate they think they could be moved later, and we'll see. Uh, you know, not a guy you really need to be married to, but I'm sure a guy that lots of teams would like to have as well. Well, you'll see that'll wrap it up for the candidates to keep an eye on who are trade eligible after December 15th and a few more after January 15th. But coming up, we'll get into some players who've outplayed their contracts and could be in store for a pay raise this summer after a quick break. Are you ready to jumpstart your career in the business of basketball? Are you looking for a leg up as you pursue your dream job of working in basketball? If so, Sports Business Classroom's GM Academy was designed for you. From December 27th to the 29th, 
learn and interact with executives from around the league, including Tommy Shepard, John Hammond, Calvin Booth, and Ryan McDonough. This one-of-a-kind program will give you the opportunity to experience what it's like during the trade deadline, draft day, and more. Head over to sportsbusinessclassroom.com to sign up. That's sportsbusinessclassroom.com. You touched on recently uh, in, in your latest article about some guys that are playing better than their contracts. They're outplaying them. So I wanted to touch a little bit on that because, one, I thought it was, it was a good piece. And, you know, I'm using the technology from ProFit um, to help you to write that piece. A couple of guys you touched on, uh, one, Mo Bamba, who I had spoken to recently, I thought particularly was interesting because he's eligible for restricted free agency this summer if Orlando extends a $10.1 million qualifying offer. And they just signed Wendell Carter to an extension. So for me, this season's been all about Orlando determining whether Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bama can play alongside each other in the front court. But also, once you signed Wendell Carter to that extension, I feel like that's kind of the barometer for where, you know, Mo Bamba's range could be for them. You know, I don't think they're going to necessarily try to give him more than that. So to me, I thought that was interesting to see along with uh, the projected value that you had him playing at right now. Uh, based on the profit data and and his current season so far, yeah, Mamba Mo Bamba is a really great story because he went from potentially Orlando not giving him a qualifying offer and just letting him be an unrestricted free agent to not only are they going to definitely make him a restricted free agent, but I'm sure they want to keep him now, uh, despite any long term questions there could be with his fit with Carter uh you know you also got Jonathan Isaac he's going to eventually come back you I, before the season everyone's thinking that Isaac and Wendell Carter would probably be the front court of the future maybe it makes sense to to pair Isaac with Bamba more at least defensively so uh Orlando's just in a very good place they have enough they got a lot of money to spend all the guys that they have under contract are all making like you know pretty like reasonable money so their books are very clean they can afford to to get mamba uh, bomba back uh the you know something maybe around what carter is making so uh we'll see but uh, i definitely would keep an eye on him just i don't think they'll trade him but obviously they do have a decision to make on him now uh, if they really want to, if they, I imagine if they keep him past the deadline, they'll make an effort to resign him. But um, if they decide that, maybe they decide that they they want to they want to sell high on him, and they don't feel like resigning him. They feel comfortable with Carter and Isaac being the front court, even though they haven't played together yet. Uh, they could decide to make the move on, but I'm sure most likely they'll keep him and see who plays. But who's the better fit when a team gets fully healthy? Still got a lot of guys that need to come in and play. You know, it's interesting. You touched on Orlando's situation a little bit. They have a lot of depth at the guard and the the front court positions. And I think they're just trying to figure out who's going to shake out because, you know, you look at the guards, you get Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, uh, high draft pick guys, you know, 
I don't know. You've got Markel Fultz there who's waiting to come back. You've got RJ Hampton, another guy who was a first round pick. So they're trying to figure that out. Then in the front court, like you mentioned, Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, on paper, you would think defensively he pairs with Mo Bamba. Um, but offensively, you know, Wendell Carter's expanded his game with his three point shooting. And, you know, in talking to people around Wendell Carter, once he signed the extension, they feel that it allowed him to shoot the three ball with more confidence and and not focus on trying to get paid. It put him in a better mindset to allow him to expand his game and, and have that confidence and freedom and not have that weight on his shoulders. Uh, an interesting perspective uh, when you look at his development um, for Wendell Carter Jr. And, and you'll see another guy you touched on uh, in your story about guys that are outplaying their contracts so far, Isaiah Hartenstein. Now, Hartenstein was interesting to me this summer because uh, originally, before he hit the market and he signed with the Clippers, he could have took uh, a minimum guaranteed deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, he would have had a tough time playing in Cleveland, I think, given the way, one, Kevin Love is back. You've seen the kind of twin tower tandem they have with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Um, so he goes to the Clippers, wins a spot on the roster, beats out Harry Giles. And then, you know, he's kind of wowed the Clippers organization with some of his passing. And from my understanding within the organization, they're happy with what he's given them this year, especially in the absence of Serge Ibaka, Marcus Morrison, uh, Nicholas Batum. Uh, he's definitely done a nice job for them. And I, he certainly put himself in a position one to have his contract guaranteed as long as he keeps playing this way uh, come come the new year when the when the contract date is up. And two, he's put himself in a position to make a little bit of money this offseason, at least put himself in a position to show that he is, without a doubt, an NBA player. Um, you had an interesting evaluation from him uh, as part of the, the ProFit uh, rating system as well. Yeah, so Profit X, they have Isaiah uh, Hardenstein uh, with a real time contract of seven and a half million, which is pretty, which is basically what uh, Ivica Zubats is making right now. And you know, I, he's basically he's been a really effective rim protector for the Clippers. Uh, you know, I, I for the first time in years, the Clippers have a lot of depth. At the center, since they since bringing in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, center depth has always been an issue. And now, assuming Ibaka is healthy, they have a lot of options uh, at at center. And he's been like an advanced numbers beast, like defensively. He's getting he has a really high block and steal rate. And yeah, I think he definitely is gonna. He's definitely going to get guaranteed. You know, he'll he'll be on the roster past the uh, the cutdown date. At the same time, uh, the Clippers do have a little bit of an issue in retaining him. Uh, he's got non-bird rights, and he's only making the minimum. So, the most they could pay him is basically just a little bit over the minimum. Uh, so, if he keeps this up and He's going to be getting offers, you know, maybe not, maybe not at seven and a half million like Robert X has, but maybe somewhere a little closer to that. Clippers are going to have a problem keeping him. 
at that point, they'll have to dig into their mid-level exception. And they already have a lot of tax issues, and perhaps they want to use the MLE on uh, on a different, uh, maybe on a wing or a point guard next year. Who knows what the roster is going to be like? So, just a uh, well, idea definitely. If he keeps this up, he's going to get himself paid. But definitely going to be a good problem for the Clippers to have in terms of how they're going to retain him, because that's going to be a challenge. Well, you mentioned it's a good problem to have, and certainly. Uh you know, for us to try to figure out some of these guys who was going to get moved by uh, after the December 15th deadline, rather a little bit of a interesting challenge for us. But I thought we certainly uh, provided as much context as we could for the listeners. And Yossi, I appreciate you as always joining me. Uh, appreciate you, you, Mike. Missed you, brother. I was glad uh, we got to do it again. And I look forward to the next time. Let's do it. And also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, media members, salary cap gurus like Yossi, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too, at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.